You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Kirk, you're here. We did it. We did it. We're recording an episode somewhat on time. Kirk is coming out of the tail end of what, 24 hours of puking your life away? Go 36. 36, even better. Yeah. Got to get it all out. We're on the tail end of it. Normally we record on Mondays, but there wasn't a coherent thought inside of this brain of mine. In fact, there wasn't much inside of this body of mine yesterday. I was depleted. But now it's Tuesday afternoon at, what, 2.30? We're finally, I think I can put something together. So here we are. We're going to rock. I'm going to churn and burn and put this right up. Hey, if I have to puke and rally for the running public bracket, I will puke and rally. Puke and rally. <laughs> so um, so let's talk about this real quick. So uh, we always talk about our birthdays and the big things we do for our birthdays, and that was last week. We didn't get to follow up on that, but I wanted to hear because I haven't talked to you since you did your deal. All I got was a mm-hmm. screenshot of Strava where you just crushed it, and I hit my birth- birthday workout for my 40th. So I want to hear about your workout quick. I'll tell you about mine, and then we'll hop into today's episode. So how'd it go? It went. What'd you do? I did uh, 36 times up and down the my local ski hill. Heck yeah, you did. Came out to 14 miles and change and uh, 7,500 feet. And listen, for all you know-it-alls out in the mountains, 7,500 feet of vert in the Midwest might as well be Eversting out in the mountains because that is a lot of <laughs> up and down that. bracken. So way to go. I thought about that, during. I thought if I were to Everest, this would take me forever. Forever. I can't imagine. So 36 times up and down the ski hill. What's the math on that per for vert per climb? 210 or 215 per climb, 0.17 miles. Oh, Steve. Then <laughs> you get 0.17 back down. So you're 0.34, 0.35 round trip. Those miles just tick by. So, oh God. So how'd you hold up? I see your screen name today is Can't Walk, so I'm assuming your hips are feeling it, maybe your quads. Almost no hip at all. Really, really quad-based. I, I went out and said, you're not going to be a hero on any of these reps. If you want to work, work up. Just chill and turn your feet over smoothly on the way down. It was all the impact that scared scared me. I was truly scared of what would happen after like 15 or 20 reps. Because my only other time on the hill this year was a weekend ago, two weekends ago. And I did hour 40 and felt like I was starting to crack. I was running hard. So I... Uh, I was very cautious. So I didn't rip a single descent, and that really helped with the day, which I've never done. I've never done a ski hill workout or a real hill workout without going after a descent because we have to use our descents. This is the first time I've ever been on a mountain without just trying to roll. So it was a very different experience, but it kept kept me energetic much longer into the workout. You use the term mountain. You've never been on a mountain without ripping descents. 
What would you classify it? This is a mountain in the Midwest. <laughs> it's a bump. You remember they they had the uh, mountain series come to Minnesota one year, and that ski hill had about mm-hmm. 250 feet of gain. That was classified as a mountain series race. So um, you held up. How long was the effort? Three and a half hours? Yeah, 327. Okay. 330 was my target. Crushed it by three minutes, Kirk. I brought poles out. Yeah, oh, you did? Did every other rep with a pole to get used to that, see what it was like. So I'd basically all the even reps were pole reps. Sweet. All I know is that anytime you start putting in big days on the ski hills, the fitness better watch out. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. So so it went well. Got to be a confidence booster, even if you went slow. Went as well as it could have possibly. And and I went out, uh, Tim Lambiris was out there, and Chad Coleman showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I saw he uh, told me this yesterday. I had no idea that he was joining. One of my athletes, Chad, you're poaching one of my athletes here, Bracken. Well, I didn't know he was showing up either. So that was a pleasant surprise. So he's more of a party crasher. He's a party crasher, yeah. But he he crashed with desserts, so he's accepted. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chad's great. So at the start, he he and Tim said, what's the plan? I said, I'm going to try to run this first one at a pace that I don't have to get much slower at my worst. So, like, the first up-down rep was 550. That's how small this hill is. And my last one was 5, like, 16 or 518. And prior to that, I think my slowest I got was was uh, 620. So there's a 30-second spread up or down throughout all 36. So I chose a good effort to work at. I didn't try to be a hero. That's actually a really tight spread considering that many reps and considering fatigue. 30 seconds yeah. might sound like a lot, but that's a tight window. Wow. You did manage your effort well. I um, I was going to say I wish I wish I came on to this like celebrate your age with some sort of workout thing a long time ago because I didn't start it until I was 37. And I realize how oddly satisfying it is to go like celebrate what your body is capable of at its given age. And you can adjust this no matter where your fitness is at, right? And I always feel really, like, satisfied. Like, most normal humans would, like, take their birthday off. Like, I ain't going to work today. I ain't working out today. I'm going to do whatever the F I want today. How the hell is that treating yourself on your birthday? That's a bullshit way to celebrate your birthday. You go out there and and you show yourself, like, hey, it's just another year. It ain't no big deal. And I'm very capable. The best way we could celebrate in this world is to use our bodies on our birthday. So I I just wish I had found it years ago. It's only been a few years of this. And it doesn't have to be on your birthday. Let's say you have races coming up or something. Like you did it the day after your birthday, I think. Right? Yeah, I forgot I had signed on to commentate two races this weekend. Yeah, you had a busy weekend. And one was birthday morning. And that was my only window. So yeah, it had to happen Sunday. Yeah. So anyways, I think that uh, that's the way to celebrate folks out there listening. Scale it to you. I believe it's win-win because I have had years where I was pretty fit on my birthday and rocked an effort. And I have years like this year where I'm moderate and I have a decent day. And I've had years where I crack apart and, and really, really struggle. My two worst years were both running around Lake Geneva. It's that 21 and a quarter mile loop around the lake and semi-technical, a lot of broken running and crack about halfway through and, you know, stumble in and you get done and you realize here on the worst day that I can imagine 
fitness wise and feeling wise, I was able to run 21 miles. It's a good perspective way to start your year saying that it's all perception. Bad for me was 21 miles where 12 were miserable. And I know that when I got miserable, I had 12 more miles. I kept turning the feet over for. So even the really bad ones where I'm 30 minutes slower than the year prior, you're still capable of running and doing something that other people might not be able to do. And it's a great reminder. The great days are great, but the bad days are a reminder that you're, you're pretty privileged to consider it a bad day. I agree with you. And it doesn't always have to do with your age. Like I mean, it can, let's say you're turning 30 and a big week of running for you would be 30 miles. Mm-hmm. Heck of a way to celebrate. It could be rounds of 30 reps of something in the gym, or it could be a big effort, like you said, going around Lake Geneva, 20 random miles, even though you're turning 30-something. Like It's just something that's noteworthy to you. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I uh, so I did 40 by 400 meters on my actual birthday, and there's one thing about that workout that I didn't realize. I never thought that 400-meter repeats could be a thinking man's game until you do 40 of them usually on short fast intervals it is like you know laser focus uh mission at hand and here i'm like it was like a process of like navigating my effort over 10 miles of intervals it was really interesting how much i thought of over 80 minutes of work right it took a while with 60 seconds recovery and the whole deal and it was a thinking man's it was a thinking man's workout that's not the one thing I expected to come from it. Like I just get back out of my head and get into the workout constantly. That's interesting. It's also tough when you uh, when you do anything where the number of reps start to really become kind of preposterous. When you like forty by four hundred, there's just so many reps. It's so many opportunities to have to stay focused for. Right. It's only what ten miles. Is that right? Yeah, ten miles of quality. Yeah. You can go out and focus for a 10-mile run. That's fine. But breaking it into 400s, 40 opportunities to lose focus or regain focus or slip your pace or start thinking, oh, I still have 30 to go. I still, I'm not even halfway and I've already done, I've already done 19 of these. How am I, that thought starts, you start playing the bad type of math games of. Oh, those were played. Oh my goodness. Those were played. I still have 18 to go. 16 is a normal workout. I still have a full. And that last one hurt a little bit. Yeah. But we pulled it off. Chad Coleman joined me for my for his last. He did two in a row, I think, or three in a row right before he left. He said, I'll join you for one. And so I worked with him on it. And you just naturally go a little faster. And then he said, I got another one in me. And then he said, last one. So he did three in a row and they ended up being pretty quick, like low fives on that one. There was a, like, they're all in the 20s. And I was hitting real, like, consistent 50s prior to that. So 30-second swing on that. It's enough. He left, and I was alone for a few reps. Tim Lambeers was there, but he wasn't going with me at the time. And the workout just, like, crashed on me all in that one moment. Chad left, and I just felt like my energy left with him. And I'd overworked just three. Three out of 40, I overworked. And they were enough that the rest of the workout, every step after that was really, really uh, challenging. That's what happens. Can't miss time when you have that many reps. And when you tip over on, especially when with vert, that's compounded interest right there versus flat. Yeah. You know, a second difference in a 400 meter repeat would be 15 seconds difference minimum in what your style was doing. It's just like not even comparable. 
But it was 40 chances to stay focused on downhills. Because it, it is a ski hill. It is a small little bump, but it has the grade of what you would find in a mountain. So, and I, and I choose to run most of them in the grass rather than on the dirt path that's been worn into it to keep the focus and for a little extra padding, but you don't know what's in the grass. And so you have to be aware of every downhill step. So there are times like on a 7,000 foot mountain, you can get lost for a few miles descending when you hit some good stuff. There was not a step of the good stuff. And so it was 7,550 feet of focus. And that that's difficult to do. It worked out to like, I forgot what it was. Um, I would guess an hour, 15, hour 20 of descending. But it was just like you had to be dialed in for that 120. So it was a good, like the workout itself, the pace, nothing was impressive. But it was a great reminder of how costly mentally focus is. Like your mental energy having to stay dialed is really, really tiring. As much as the work was, the focus was tiring. Well, I'll say to no end that uh, I've done both. Um, that running an actual mountain where you get to sustained climb, although difficult, and sustained descend mentally is not even on the same playing field uh, as far as how difficult it is compared to running up and down the same dumb ski hill over and over and over mm-hmm. to stack your Midwest vert. Mountains are a gift. And the mental, like, I don't know, mental fortitude it takes to just be a, a proverbial hamster on a ski hill wheel is astounding, dude. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Whereas the mountains are very different that way. It was 40 opportunities to crest the mountain and have to get your legs moving again on the way down and 40 opportunities to chop your steps, break at the bottom, turn around and then start back up from a stop. Those are not fun moments. So again, it was just a really good reminder of what mental focus is. And I haven't been doing a lot of long stuff and clicking back into that ultra mindset where you, you try to be like a passenger. You try to check out as much as possible while being totally engaged. It's a, it's a skill that I need to refresh more often. Well, hot take. I even think running on like a Nordic track treadmill uphill is mentally easier than going to the ski hill. Um, which is like sort of the most mundane thing you can do. But for some reason that takes less out of me than like, okay, I'm going to go do 40 reps of my ski hill today. That's just like, you got to shut your brain off as much as you can, but it's near impossible considering like the quick turnaround time. But, um, okay, we should move, we should move into our episode here. Um, I, I just do want to say, yeah, you average 440 pace for your reps. You're not going to brag about it. I'm going to brag about it for you. You average 70 seconds per rep. That's impressive. Well, we've talked about ourselves for 15 minutes. I was, I was trying to sh- stop us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I averaged 70, 70.6 for 40. I started out very conservative, I thought, running roughly 72s, then ratcheted down to 71s, then 70s, and I sat at 70 forever. And then realized at about rep 32 or 34, I was like, 32, I was like, this is going to be, this might be a problem suddenly like oh boy but when i had to start to sink dig into the next level i ran my last four in like i don't know 69 68 67 64 so it was still there and i when i had to and it all evened itself out yeah and i wasn't as smashed from it i don't mean to be like i i I don't know i thought i'd be more trashed from it but i think the big workout volume i had been doing in training in general i'm not high volume by any means but when i do a quality day 
I do a quality day. Um, other than my vapor flies giving me a huge blister on my right Achilles, which I can't account for because they've never done that before. Maybe, I don't know, the turns on the track, something had to do with it. Um, did you ever switch directions? No. You did them all. So maybe that is something. Clockwise. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All counterclockwise. Yeah. I would have switched every four. Confidence booster. I don't know. It still worked itself out. Good for you. Thanks, man. Um, thanks for bragging for me. Um, but was going to say... Thank you for the reviews. We asked for reviews last week. Those that came in, we did get a, a handful of them. So thanks for those who took uh, the time to write. Do appreciate appreciate that. I did have one that said I was getting a little too braggy lately. Um, but she still gave us five stars. This is my mom. So I'll have to work on that. Adam. My, my bad, listeners. I'm going to be more humble moving forward. But thank you. Thank you very much for uh, – Not me. For – taking the time (laughs) i'm gonna pick up the mantle and i'm gonna charge forward with it i hope you do i hope you do one of us should (laughs) okay so moving on from that um i also did get a sweet kirk dewint bobblehead with a running public shirt on that looks a lot like me and i know i wanted to rub that in your face but anyways you don't have one and i do Mm -hmm. my sister really pulled it together for that um, all right, so last week we did uh, the start of our mini-series on training cycles. Um, last week we ran you guys through a typical seven-day training cycle, uh, and we're going to follow that up this week with a 10-day training cycle, how to look at it, how it breaks down, who it works for, who it might not, and then we'll wrap up the series next week with a 14-day or day or two-week training cycle. So we're diving into the 10-day training cycle, and I feel like, now, this is one I personally haven't ex- uh, executed on my own very much. I've prescribed it. Uh, but I know this is something that you've run through yourself more than I have, or a nine-day cycle, I believe, somewhere in that realm. So I figure I'd kick it off to you, Bracken, with like first takes on a 10-day training cycle. I will say just before we start, usually online, people call this a nine-day. Right. We're calling it a 10 because we're giving you a full day off. Day 10 is a rest day. It, the difference between 9 and 10, it, it's negligible. The structure of the week is the exact same. So if you prefer to call it a 9, that's fine. This is a 9-day schedule. 9 or 10, doesn't matter. So I opened last week when you kicked to me on the 7-day. I said, this is probably the schedule that 90 to 95 or more percent of people use. And it's probably not good for a lot of them. I'm going to say this is the schedule almost no one uses and would probably be best for 90 to 95% of athletes, in my opinion. I think that this is the most simplistic way of organizing your, your training, and it's the single most effective way of making a supremely adaptable and relaxed, non-stressful training cycle for any athlete with one giant caveat, which is the obvious, It does not conform to society's seven-day calendar week, which negates almost all of its benefit for many, many people. All right. Well, I'm just going to follow that up with another question then. Do it. And it's open. The floor is yours. Why? Why do you feel like a 10-day cycle would be best suited for everybody versus a seven-day weekly Monday through Sunday schedules aside? Well, when we start looking at that seven day, everyone has to choose, am I a two quality day per week person or a three? 
And people want to be a three quality day per week athlete because then you get all the types of work you want to get in. That's the single most noticeable reason people give for wanting to be three quality. Because if you think about it, what are the three types of runs people generally talk about? Speed, stamina, and endurance. Or interval, threshold, and long run. You can't fit all three in in a week if you're a two quality day per week person. But you can't fit in all the recovery for many people if you're a three quality day per week person. And then where do you fit the lifting? It's all the things we talked about in last week's episode. Nine day or 10 day solves all of that. You can do every one of your quality sessions, get it all in, and you have no confines of recovery. You get at least two days in between every quality effort, which means you get all your variety and all your recovery, and you can just set it and forget it. You don't have to constantly be tinkering to fit everything in. You have an abundance of space to work with. Right, and for clarity, you're counting the long run as like a quality session, so to speak. Like that is included. When you say the word quality, that's one of that you're referring to, correct-ish? If Yeah, if you're an athlete that needs recovery afterwards, that's your quality session. If it's not, you add it in somewhere else and you get a third quality session. I'm just talking three big efforts that require recovery. For some people, that's interval session, tempo session, long run. For others, it's short intervals, long intervals, threshold session, and then an easy long run on one of the other days. To me, I don't care what your days look like. It allows for more quality with more recovery and less stress. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like you go back to... Some of the principles shared in, let's say, our Dr. Clary episode, like how does the body work, mm. right? How does the body actually receive damage, recover from damage, and then adapt from damage or training stimulus? You think about studies that have been done out there on the like the training, recovery, adaptation cycle. You think about all of those things. And most ballpark, like seven-day cycle is never really referred to as far as like how long does it take to benefit adapt, recover, all that from a stimulus, people start talking that 10 to 20-day window. A lot of people talk that week and a half. A lot Mm -hmm. will go up to three as far as keeping fitness and adapting to fitness. And so if you spread it out just on that one principle alone, from a recovery standpoint, from an improvement standpoint, from a frequency of intensity, like do we actually need a long run every seven days or do we actually need a long run every nine or 10 days? to not only move the needle forward appropriately, but also allow us the appropriate recovery in the meantime. And then signs really start to point at something like the 10-day and even the 14-day training cycle, which we're not going to touch on today. But like, you just look at physiology and you start thinking, okay, this makes a lot of sense for like our body. Who cares about what society has created for us on a seven-day work week or a seven-day weekly schedule? Sorry. I hope none of you out Mm -hmm. there working seven days a week. If you are, you should stop that. But I'm saying physiologically, it makes a lot of sense. So on that principle alone, this has merit is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think if we had all access to, let's say, an Olympic training center and a panel of scientists who would work with us daily, you wouldn't script anything. If it was your full-time job to train, you wouldn't script anything for anything other than your body. You wouldn't worry about... The weeks of the year, you wouldn't worry about holidays. You wouldn't worry about really any sort of cycle other than your own 
biological cycle that's happening inside of you. And so you would do a workout and you would have this magic machine that would scan you and tell you exactly the cost of your workout and when was the proper next time to dose another workout of similar amplitude in order to reap the max benefits of the previous one and not wait too long and let it start to atrophy. You would have this magic system and highly scientific that's not maybe not even invented yet, but you would just walk through the scanner every day. You would never you would just have the next workouts waiting and you would apply them as soon as your scanner turns green one morning or one noon or one evening. You would just have it time to that. Well, I think the nine or ten day is exactly the closest to that we can get. Hmm. What we would find ourselves falling into is doing a quality day and then somewhere between one and three days later you'd qualify for another one. And then one to three days later, you'd qualify for another one. That's essentially what this 10-day is. Day one, you do quality. Day two, you recover. Day three, easy. Day four, quality again. Recover, easy, quality. Recover, easy, quality. You kind of just roll through that on a nine-day. And on a 10, you insert a full-off day somewhere in there. So the perfect world scenario kind of gets combined down to the 10-day. In actuality, because we don't have access to all those things. But this is the best case scenario, in my opinion, for just following what your body requires. All other things aside. Yeah, and we have versions of that programmed into some of our technology, right? Like the whoop strap or... My Garmin tells me every day, like, you should rest today. And I'm like, well, I got a quality day plan. So obviously, based on your intel, I'm making a mistake. But that's on my seven-day training cycle, and that's often. And at the same mm-hmm. time, my Garmin might say you need to do three by two minutes at some pace because you're ready for quality work. I'm like, no way, I'm ready for quality work today. Anyways, I don't think those are perfect systems. So this ingenious body scanner makes a lot of sense. Or maybe we could write our local congressman bracket and say, hey, listen, this Monday through Sunday thing ain't working for me. Could we come up with like two or three more days in the week? We'll just make up what I don't know. What, what would you call the day after Sunday if it wasn't Monday? What do you think? Oh my goodness! We could come up with a ten-day week. You know, yeah, just a ten-day work. Week. Five of them. Yeah, perfect, easy. They'll understand to accommodate the endurance community. I think we have some. I think we could get some traction there. So you started on joking aside. You started on something which I think we should actually dive into right away with this ten-day training cycle. Um, people actually responded pretty well last week when we got, I got the comments I got was in the specificity of like how to actually break down my week, like how to dissect what I should Mm -hmm. do each day of the seven day week. Um, and I think jumping right into that with the 10 day cycle makes a lot of sense. Now you just alluded to the fact on a 10 day cycle or a nine day cycle. Exactly right. It's quality session, recovery day, active recovery day, ideally, of course, easy quality then you go back, recovery, easy, quality. And you just cycle through. Recovery, easy, quality. So you go two days between quality sessions mm-hmm. fully. That'd be like doing a for – you, for you seven-dayers, that'd be like doing a quality session on Tuesday and Friday, but then not doing your next quality again until a Monday. And then that next one gets pushed to Thursday. So there's no rhyme or reason. Like this is going to completely seem random on your calendar where these days fall. But what I have found – with the athletes who do this. And I've had periods of time where I've done this, um, not for long enough, like years in a row. I'm more likely to show up feeling good for my quality sessions instead of cramming it in a day Mm -hmm. early and knowing like, eh, 
I'm doing it today because I know I have to to get it all in this week, but if I could, I'd feel much better if I pushed it off till tomorrow. So what you find in the 10-day cycle is that you're more likely to show up feeling ready to go for your quality session and having a more productive quality session at that, in my opinion. And so this is a long about... uh, a long about way to tee you up and say, let's talk about like how you would break those 10 days down based on what I just said. Yeah. So the classic way of people using this, and there are some pro track groups that use it. You're doing your faster than race pace intervals on day one. Let's say, let's say we're doing this for a 10 K athlete day one. You're doing five K paced intervals. 10K or faster, 10K pace, 5K pace, something in there. Usually your shorter interval duration, maybe three minutes or under um, with maybe some longer rest in there. Day two, recovery work. Day three is easy work. Day four is your race pace. Yeah. I want to stop you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Only because I know what people are going to be thinking and I'm jumping the gun because I know you'll get there, but let's just keep it clear from the start. Okay. You were very specific. Okay, we did 5K race pace, really fast, spicy work on Monday. Then you say we have a recovery day on day two. What is that? What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Like just to help, just to walk people through it. Only purpose of the day is to get over the work you did and not take any more damage so that you're able to do a good aerobic workout the next day. So for some people, it's a slight easy jog. For some people, it's just a fast run because they're pro athletes. And for others, it's incline hiking or non-impact cardio or lifting and pool work. Doesn't matter. Just your only choice is recover. That's it. You don't make other choices. I'm here to recover from the work from yesterday. Okay. Very tenured runner might go for a very easy heart rate limiting recovery run, you'll call it, on day two. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go through and do this exactly how I trained in Colorado. Yeah, let's do it. I'll give you exactly what I did. Sure. All right. I was training for 60 to 90 minute races. Day one, I did flat ground-ish speed intervals. So I would go six to 10 by thousand at 5K to 10K pace with 60 to 90 seconds recovery. That was a pretty standard day one workout for me. Day two, I would go out. I was doubling. So in the morning, I would go like 30 minutes as slow as my body wanted to move. And in the PM, I'd do like 30 or 40 minutes at, again, whatever my body wanted to move at. No pace. Got on the soft, windy trails. So it chopped my steps. I I didn't try to get vert. I was just recovering and getting some time in. Day three, I'd go out for a 60 to 75-minute mountain run. I'm not trying to take damage, but I am trying to practice the art of running. Get my legs moving with a better cadence than I did the day before. Run with good form. Stay aerobic. Start zone two. Top out at zone three. Not trying to do any work there. Just an aerobic day. Then day four, I would do threshold hill reps. This would be something like three to five minute uphill reps. Rest slightly rep it back down the mountain. This could be a sustained 30-30 climb to the top of a peak, 30 on, 30 easy for 2,000 feet of vert, trying to get 30 to 50 minutes of time at threshold in. Day five, just the same as day two, pure recovery. Day six, the same as day three, easy 60 to 75 minute run. And then the next day after that was day six, which would be... um, my quality session. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six. So this is my third quality session. Yeah. 
And that would be some type of long run on my A cycle, and it would be a combo workout on my B cycle. So first nine days, I would do a long run. Maybe I'd run to the top of Pikes Peak, three, three and a half hours of pretty grindy work. Or I'd go bag some peaks. Try, I was trying to get over two hours of work, and I'd try to basically leave no downhill behind. If I was going to hit a downhill, I was going to flow it and run it well. And then you have three days after that, seven, eight, nine, recovery, easy, off day. Rinse and repeat. That was it. The B weeks, the B weeks, that third workout was a combo workout. So I would do one of the type of works I had done earlier in the week, either another interval session or another hill threshold session. And then I would tack on a second one. Usually I'd run the incline afterwards for time at like uh, an 85 or 90% effort. So it was a long quality session, or I might do up the incline, down bar trail two to three times. Long, but quality. So that's how it looked. That's what I was doing for my specific training. Well, and technically, if you're going to do this cycle, it actually would go like, day one would be like, if you're going to make it fit into the 10 day, it'd be recovery, easy quality. You actually, day one would be a recovery day, technically. Correct. And then your last day would be an off day, day 10. That way it's three sessions in nine days. We just started on a quality day, but technically you could do it either way, really. It doesn't really matter. We just typically don't run quality days after an off day, right? which is, I assume you don't either, but nonetheless, it, that's how the math works um, on that one. And so basic principles, right? You outlined very simply every fourth day, essentially. Third. No, every third day, essentially running quality. And one is going to be short and spicy faster than race pace. One is going to be threshold based and one is going to be long run based. And you're going to make sure to hit, um, race, uh, skill type terrain in there. Simple enough. Skill one week intensity. The next week is how I did it, but you can do it however you want. So you could call that a 20 day training cycle, Bracken. You could. And then as races got closer, I narrowed down the focus, but it's a very adaptable schedule. The point is I was coming to each quality session ready to swing pretty well because I was relatively well recovered. Mm -hmm. Never was doing two hard workouts in three days. Right. Which you often find yourself doing in a seven day cycle if you're following Mm -hmm. that. So then I want to ask you, this is just more of a personal curiosity then. Um, How come you don't, I think you've dabbled with it in years, in recent Mm -hmm. years but also you've had inconsistent training due to injury and surgery. How come you haven't continued with that? Because uh, it's one thing that diverts and goes two ways. Uh, It's very hard to program long-term for this. You program your theory of what you're going to apply, but it's hard to just script out the week after week after week like that because you go nine days, so you're already two days into the next week, and you keep going on like that. And then when something pops up, like, I have a long run this Sunday, but we're going out of town with family, but I'm not ready to do it Saturday. The only real, I mean, you can move it up, but you either have to move it forward or back. But it's trickier than a seven-day because you can't just swap days on the next calendar position there. There's this chain effect down your calendar. You have to then go back and move everything forward or re reconfigure how you're going to do thing. Every every time you want to adjust a day, it makes you adjust everything you do after that. Whereas in a seven day, if I'm not going to hit it this Saturday, I might just shuffle it to next Saturday because it just stacks on top of the calendar view pretty nicely. It's not as simple and clean with a nine day. And with mine, I often went by feel. 
So I was doing a nine day, but I would only take my full rest day when I really needed it. Other times I might double on days I was planning on or wasn't. And sometimes if someone was in town doing a big workout, I would jump in with them. And so I more just had a queue of workouts. I'm going to hit this interval session four times. I'm going to hit this threshold session four times and these two long runs twice each. And I might get there in four nine day sections, or I might get there in an eight, a nine, a 10, and another nine. So I didn't script out day by day by day. I did a very rolling schedule approach, which is really sustainable when that's the only rule in your life is get to the next day of workouts. But in a normal life schedule, when I'm picking up after injury, or I'm lacking motivation, or I'm just not in a great spot with my fitness, I need the regimented form of seeing something scripted on every day, and you are going to hit this no matter what. So then I'm more likely to stick to a two-quality day per week because I know I can keep that schedule. And then hit six weeks in a row and then qualify up to a nine-day. Rather than start with a nine and having to keep scrap things and things come in and then keep adjusting. And my tendency is to get away from that in a negative way rather than to advance it in a better way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes enough sense. I think it requires more hands-on. I agree with you. And sometimes I can't be trusted with tinkering. <laughs> a man who knows himself. That's the one takeaway um, or the one follow-up I wanted to say to what you had to say was that the, the beauty of a seven-day cycle is it typically falls nice and seamlessly for us to plan on swinging the hammer hard on a Saturday at times, which often is race day, right? So it fits really cleanly. You can go, you can race. It doesn't impact or make you pivot really what you're doing throughout the week. You don't have to improvise or reschedule what's going on very much. You can kind of get to race day and have an idea what you're getting. With that 10-day training cycle, you're just, who knows what day your cycle is going to fall on when a race week comes up. And so you're going to have to have foresight to improvise off your typical schedule. Most likely, you're not going to get lucky enough to have everything timed out perfectly. And sometimes mm -hmm. that can mess with people because then all of a sudden you're in such a good rhythm where you're like, every three days, here I go, here I go. And then suddenly you're like, oh, well, this doesn't fit into my race coming up. So there is some tinkering involved, I guess would be the right word with the lead into races and following. Um, I think it's a very minor hiccup, right? Like if it's navigated appropriately, it's not an issue, but it can leave people like, oh crap, now what do I do? I had such a clean, easy line of sight for my training. And now I have a race, which is why we're, we're training anyways, but now I don't know how to approach it. So that is very true. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just like, you're going to have to maybe deviate from your, your cycle a little bit um, on a 10 day. Yeah. For race day. When I work with athletes who are on seven days, which is most of my athletes, when they say, hey, I can't make this workout work Friday, we either move it forward or back a day or we shuffle it to the next quality day position. Because when you're hitting things every seven days, if it moves to every, let's say it was a Saturday workout and your last stimulus like that was last Saturday. If you have to move it back to a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday, you're only making it 10 days in between stimulus. And if you move it up forward in a schedule to Thursday, well, you've still had three days of recovery since you did this type of stimulus last. So you're not really in danger of over or under dosing this activity. But when it's every nine days and you want to do that, if you have to shuffle it from the ninth day to the 18th day, 
That's a long time to go in between hitting that stimulus. And then if you want to shuffle it from the ninth day to the 12th day, now you have to mess with the other two days. So it does open the door for more advanced tinkering necessary on this plan. And for some people, that's a non-starter. If you're a set it and forget it person, you can't use this schedule. If you can commit to, I'm just running a quality day every three days, whether I need it or not, I'm running a quality and I just put in what needs to be there, whatever I can have access to that day, that's fine. Some people can't adapt to that level of freedom either. So even though it's best for your body, our mind controls our body and our mind may reject this type of plan. Mm-hmm. Well, you just keep walking me into the uh, the next thing I want to talk about. It's like, you know, man, it's like we, we're in sync. And that is, uh, what type of person is this plan suited for and what type of person is it not? It's the next thing I wanted to touch on. And then you just said, well, you're made to maybe do this sort of thing or you're not. So it's like, what type of person, um, what type of person, and I'm sure some of these answers are obvious, but it's worth chatting out. Who, who does this make sense for? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Honestly, I can't, I can't identify because the same traits may accept it or reject it. For example, people with uh, some tendencies or legitimate OCD or maybe just very detail and data-driven people. Some people love it because then they never have to compromise. I'm going to hit all three types of my quality every training cycle, and I know I'm not leaving anything behind, and I know that my recovery score is always going to look good, and it just sits pretty for them. Other times, the same characteristic in a person drives them crazy that their seven-day average will always look different on volume. Mm -hmm. I can't every Sunday tabulate my volume and it looks the same. I might have a seven-day here of 35 miles per week, and the next seven days is 50, depending on where I look at it. And what does a nine-day cycle even tell me about volume? Now I have to take a a running seven-day average from this random point in time or the same Monday to Sunday, no matter what. But sometimes it's going to contain a long run and other times it won't. And you can see it just drives them crazy if you're that type of person. So it's almost like you have to try it on for size and feel it out. I would say that of the athletes that I've switched to a nine day, over 50% have rejected it within the first month. They just immediately know, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do it. I got to wash my hands of this thing. It just doesn't work for me. And I haven't yet found what that identifying characteristic is or isn't because like the two identical people will react to it differently. Fair. And you're not wrong. I agree with that. What about you? I'm going to give them something tan. I'm going to give them something tangible though. Listen, it's easy for me to say, well, if you're self-employed, do, 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 or oh, you're a stay-at-home dad, do, mm-hmm. do, do, and you can do it when the kids are at school, or ah, do, do, like screw that. That stuff doesn't matter because if you want to do this cycle, you can do this cycle. There, I said it. Okay, so mm-hmm. that aside, let's just leave that out. Although it is important, the less responsibility you have outside of your life, and the less people schedules you're beholden to, the more likely you are to react well to this cycle. That is important to yeah. note. Sure. But, but like you said, and we don't need to get into this, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but it's like some people who quit their job and train as an athlete full time, like if you couldn't do it while you were working, you couldn't do it while you weren't. And I still think that's true for right. something like this for the majority of people. Um, but good caveat. Thanks for saving my butt there, Bracken. Is in the seven-day training cycle, I just said, you know, seven-day training cycle last week, I said the best person this is good for 
is the person who is doing one type of racing. You don't have to fit in a lot of different stimulus because you're a road racer. Like you don't have to worry about doing heavy carries for a Spartan race in the middle of your training because you don't do heavy carries in your racing. So we don't need to, we don't need to hit all the correct terrain and all the correct conditions with all the correct skill work. It's like seven days is really good for like somebody who, and I don't mean to use the word just, but let's say exclusively trail races or exclusively this the 10 day cycle and even more so in the 14 which we'll get to next week just opens it up for more time to get in more of the skill work necessary so let's not talk about how much free time you have or if you're a monday through friday nine to five or i don't care about that it more has to do with the fact that if you're trying to squeeze in a lot of stuff let's say you're a hybrid racer you race ocr and you want to crush mountain trail races holy smokes you got a lot on your plate and that means every third session you can devote to one of your three type of races that require skills Mm -hmm. and you can rotate through those without feeling the need to either miss something in a seven-day cycle because there's not enough time or cram too much into a seven-day cycle trying to do it all in a shorter period of time so the 10-day cycle is super advantageous for those of you who want to do it all and find the time to train train specifically but also get a lot out of each time you swing the hammer for those skill type sessions. And so, um, again, personal schedule aside, that's who would be a really good candidate for this style uh, or 10 day training cycle. You are 100% correct. If you think back to what I said last week and what you said last week, we recommended the best seven day schedule for most people is two quality days and a flex day. Yeah. Well, what this plan does is it takes that flex day, which one week we're working skill, the next week you might be doing Metcon or more strength or a midweek long run, whatever you're trying to balance skill-wise out that you're not able to hit in your other two sessions and still recover, it turns it into a full day in the nine-day schedule, in the 10-day cycle. So it really is all the benefits of the two-in-a hybrid of a seven-day. Correct. But now you don't have to make it a three-quarter workout or a 50% quality day, you get to actually do it. So for people who are swim, bike, run, or who are hybrid racing, or are trying to do ultra and short at the same time, or people that just want more strength training or want to go to CrossFit class or Orange Theory or whatever, this schedule leaves room for that. And that's the beautiful thing about it. You can get it all in. If you stuck to my schedule that I was talking about, short intervals, long intervals, and long run with two days in between each, in those two days, you can lift, you can cross train, you can go rock climbing, you can focus vert on one of the days. As long as you're recovering on one, the other one really is another kind of flexible day as long as you don't take damage on that day. You can lift before every quality session and still have three days per cycle where you do nothing strenuous at all. It really fits everything in nicely. Yeah. And just for your example, it could be like your 10-day training outline example you used on yourself. Your day one or whatever you want to call it, or day three, depending on how you look at it, could be a short quality run intervals. And then your next quality session could be long threshold hybrid session where you're keeping that heart rate up and moving through mixed modality, but they're longer duration. And then your mm-hmm. long run could be a quality long run with skills mixed in there like bucket carries or something if you're a Spartan athlete. And there all of a sudden you have every skill hit in that nine or 10 day cycle. And then the next day, maybe you reverse it. Maybe you do short spicy hybrid session day one of your next cycle. 
and then you make your long threshold just a pure run workout the second time through your cycle and then you know you understand what i'm saying but you can just Mm -hmm. tinker there and get even mixed stimulus and mixed um metabolic systems but still achieving everything and i I know we're being a little redundant but sometimes it's good to hear things um hear things again so okay so that's who i think it's good for and i will say when we do these episodes bracken you know what's going on in my head right now is every time we do an episode like this i think bracken and i are creating more work for ourselves because it's inevitable that after an episode like this, we'll get a, we'll get an email from one to five athletes saying, hey, I heard your episode on the 10-day training cycle, and I'd really like to rejig everything we're doing, which will happen, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> do, you, do you ever think that when we do these types of episodes? Yeah, yeah. and as I'm, as I'm <laughs> saying that, there's a few people I'm thinking, you're going to be the one. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. No, it is. Yeah, we're creating it is work good. here. <laughs> it is. It's funny when we do these, how that happens. But I'm going to say, like, touching on the fact um, – Something you said is, I actually think this cycle sounds very glorious and rose-tinted, right? Like, oh my God, all the Mm -hmm. benefits, none of the cost. This is fantastic. But I agree with you that I see people that transition to this have a very, very hard time sticking with it because they do have a typical schedule with normal life scheduling um, or something like it just feels weird to do a long run on a Tuesday and I had to cut it short because of work and I meant to get the whole thing Mm -hmm. in, but... Kid, and so it just leads to problems. So, like before, you just jump at this thinking this is super flashy and amazing. Like, see your barriers to success in the future because this can sometimes yeah. cause problems. But it is a good cycle. This is not for people who have standing reservations in their life. If your team meets for a long run every Saturday, this doesn't really work for you. If you absolutely cannot get long work done during the week, no matter what, you just never have more than 40 to 60 minutes available on a weekday, it's just not going to work for you. I think it's very good for people who are trying to double. I think it's very good for people who want to try out the double threshold style of training because you're guaranteed more time between your workouts and it lends itself to going a little bigger on a workout day. It's very good for adding finishers to workouts because you're not trying to cram it in in the week. If I add a finisher and it gets me a little more than I thought or takes more time, it's okay. The next two days, I can go short and easy. I think it's very good for those people, but people that have a structured life really struggle with this. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to play cleanup. And so you're ahead of me again is that we talked about who it's good for. I think schedule aside for who it's good for, like just physiological adaptation I talked on the opposite end I almost you almost have to talk schedule like who isn't it good for like truly mm-hmm. if your schedule and you know it like you bring the kids to daycare you work for 10 hours you pick the kids up from daycare they go to bed and you have an hour window to sneak something in like you ain't getting a long run in in the dark in the winter because it's not realistic for your current situation nor maybe safe for where you live and so it I think then it comes down to schedule for the ones who it doesn't make sense for like just knowing your day-to-day so as much as I argue the opposite in favor of it, I'm going to argue literally the opposite of that for not in favor of it. So I think you're right there. That's the one big limiter. I think this does to go back to work well. I think it works well for a lot of people in base building or off season. You can still get a lot of the things you like done, but you extend them a little further or you even move it to 12, put three days in between each one because then you're still getting your dosage of things. This is for people who get afraid of losing what they've built, but you're not Mm -hmm. doing it so often that you have to worry about getting too sharp or anything like that. That's a, that's a, a easy way to extend your fitness later into the year. You just start putting more days in between things. 
Yeah, it's a good point too. And then you're not as caught up in worrying about races coming up and there's, it doesn't feel like there's a huge rush with your training cycles when you're not racing for three months and just lay in pavement. I agree with that. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I see you looking at the clock. Does that mean it's almost time to go pick up the kids? Kids are calling, but I've got a, I've got a few minutes, Kirk. I don't have to cut us off at the knees just yet. Well, I know you pivoted for me today because I uh, I had to push our recording back. So you've done well, know. though. I wouldn't guess that you're one foot in the grave. Today. Dude, I'll tell you, I took three ibuprofen about an hour before we started recording, and it just changed my life. So I am actually feeling so much better. Thank God. I might even go to work tomorrow. Um, all right. Well, where, where do you want to go with this then? I feel like. Um, I feel like I brought up most of the things that come to mind. I'm sure I'm missing some stuff, but what what else comes to mind for you? The only other thing that I thought of prior to this is that I use this more often than not a version of this with uh, shift workers. Oh, people like uh, in EMT, fire, police, people who are working 72s or 48s, and then they get chunks of time off. It's an abbreviated or adapted version of this works well with that lifestyle. Seven day week. <laughs> you're going to have to tinker every single time if you're a shift worker, if you're going, if you're going working ons and offs. But with this, you just, the moment you come off shift, you plug in your three or six or nine day cycle. And the moment you get on, you enact your shift cycle. Have, we almost have two different cycles we follow on shift and off shift. And that's what we rotate through. This kind of life is conducive to this kind of schedule. When I was in college, I worked a swing shift summer, 12 hour swing shift summer job at a paper mill between my freshman and sophomore year of college uh, before I started spending my summers out in Colorado. And uh, I tried doing the seven-day cycle. That's what you did in college, long run Saturday. I made it three weeks at that job. I was so tired and hated it and couldn't get my shit together. And I quit after three weeks because I could not find a way to fit a square peg into a round hole. And your uh, suggestion would have never even occurred to me as like a 19-year-old boy, young man who had never heard of this. But something like that could have taken a lot of stress off my plate back then because I thought it was impossible to make it work. And it really felt like it at the time for for my training for the upcoming cross-country season. But I could have used this episode, oh, 20 years ago, do I say? Ooh, that would have been helpful. Yeah. I suppose that right there is the archetype for who it works well for, the person who this removes stress from. Yeah. If this suddenly, if you break away from seven days and realize like, oh, I can breathe again. This I can make work. Then you're a candidate. If it excites you at all, yeah. try it. Yeah. The day the straw that broke the camel's back was I had worked a 12-hour overnight shift. I was driving home at 7 a.m. I had to be back at 7 p.m. But I had to stay late to take a pee test apparently, so I didn't get out till 8 a.m. So now I had to be back in 11 hours. On my way home in the rain, I got rear-ended. It was supposed to be my long run that day. I was going to do this after a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. swing shift. Got rear-ended, didn't get home till like noon, had to leave to go back to work in five or six hours, and I was supposed to go for my 14 or 15-mile long run after not sleeping for a day straight. And I was like, I've had enough. I am too weak. I am too weak to do this. And I called and said I quit. And that's all it took was one bad day to break my break that camel's back as young 19-year-old Kirk Bracken. So you you could have saved me. That's a bad day, though. It wasn't a great day. P-test came out clean, though, so whatever. Rose-tinted glasses. There you go. You got away with it. Who knows? You (laughs) you keep that job. Who knows what you're doing these days? Sometimes you got to (laughs) quit. You quit forward in life. (laughs) 
If you take anything out of this episode, quit forward, huh? Isn't that the, quit that's forward. Not the phrase? Fail forward, I think is what they say. I quit I quit one job. Did you? I've quit a couple in my days. College too, yeah. I was uh, I was working at a debt collecting facility. That sounds bizarre. It was just depressing. Is that like phone call after phone call? A lot call? of bonuses. Yeah. I learned the system. I did pretty well with it and eventually just could not take every interaction throughout my day was negative and you were the bad guy. It just wore on me. Couldn't do it. I could see that. I can't picture you in that role. Although you do have the gift of gab, so I could see see you being good at it. Oh, I hated it. I, I was uncomfortable with it. You were fabricating a confrontation every three minutes. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I walked in to talk to my boss with this whole, like I'd never quit a job. And I'd never worked in this kind of work. And I'd walked in with this whole like thing I was going to say. He said, you ready to be done? I said, yeah. I said, all right, see her. Head on out. I said, really? He's like, we go through people like you wouldn't believe. Head on out. I called Lisa. She picked me up in her little 2002 red sunfire and we jetted off to the lake. That's <laughs> boom. That's so funny. Try being a guy wearing like a pink shirt and tie, walking into an auto garage trying to sell somebody shirts and pants and and shop wipes, and do that every day like I did. That's the job I quit before starting my personal training business. I I created a lot of confrontations as well. You and your pink P double A double S shirt, get out of here! I was yelled at all the time. I knew what I was getting into. It wasn't it wasn't great. Yeah. Um. You got to go through those jobs, Bracken. You got to gotta go through the trenches. Yes, you do. All right. Are we good? We're good. See you next week for the really complicated one. Or is it not? Or is it not? Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger.